Hello and welcome to Waltrip Unfiltered. It's our podcast. Really appreciate you tuning in and giving us a listen. We have a good time here talking about current events, race car drivers, the industry. Today's guest is Greg Fernelli. He owns Stock Car Steel and SRI. They are a steel and performance part company that supplies the industry with parts and pieces. Greg's favorite statement over the years has always been, trouble, turn two. <laughs> and he thinks that's funny because he sold everybody the steel that just got bent. Obviously, he's kidding. But the world is a-changing. There's talk about a new car in 2021. What will it look like? And obviously, the Xfinity cars, they're not made out of steel anymore. They're made out of a composite material. A lot of people are liking what they're seeing in the Xfinity series with these composite bodies. You know, in the restarts and the crazy racing we've seen at Richmond, uh, at the Roval, at Vegas, these steel bodies, they get to rub them together, they cut tires and blow them out. We don't see that as much with the composite bodies. So I'm gonna interesting to ask Greg what he thinks about the 2021 car. Will it be composite? I know the chassis is going to change. How much will it change? There's so much going on in the world of NASCAR behind the scenes that I got to tell you, I'm pumped up about it. There's talks about no more live pit stop and Xfinity and truck. Now, you're talking about touching a, a, a nerve. I went on my Twitter this past week, a couple weeks ago, and I said, I think that'd be a good thing. Why not? When the trucks come to pit road, you got a button on your computer. You want four tires, you push it. You want two, you push it none, you push that. That way, there's strategy involved, whether you get tires and get the track position or you decide to not get tires, whatever your decision is, how will that work out? I'm basically a fan of it. I think it could use some tweaking. They need to talk about it, but it's something I think in those two series that could work well. It costs those teams upwards of 200000 a year to have live pit stops. Well, I don't think it's necessary. I think that those pit stops could be managed in a time limit. You can't just lollygag. You can't lollygag to the left and lollygag to the right. You got to get with it. But uh, I think having a determined order when you come on pit road and then what you decide to do with your tire choices uh, determines how you would position yourself going off pit road. Now, I know a lot of you are going to think that's crazy, but it isn't. Trust me. I've tried to run one of these teams. I know what it costs, and in the Xfinity and trucks, this could be a big cost-saving measure for those teams, and I think could enhance what you see on the track because of the strategy. Can't wait to talk to Greg about his steel business and how that's going to relate to a composite business and what exactly the future of NASCAR looks like. I bet you Greg's got some insight that we're going to enjoy hearing. Plus, he is a crazy guy. He's got a lot of stories. He's a big buddy of Denny Hamlin's. We play golf. Uh, we play basketball together. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Kyle Larson, Daniel Hemrick, all of us uh, like to hang out together. So we'll get Greg to share some stories about his role in NASCAR. Remember, Greg grew up in Kansas, and he wound up in NASCAR. to be interesting to hear how he got here and how long he's been here. And by gosh, Greg, how long are you going to stay? We're going to talk about all those things and I love doing the podcast. We'll get to know Greg Fernelli better when we come back right after this. Greg Fernelli, welcome to Walter Bun Filter. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you for inviting me. Very happy to be here. I have been having so much fun with these podcasts, just getting to know uh, the guests much better. You know, we're dudes. We'll play golf and drink beer and 
say, how you doing? You'll say, fine. That'd be about it as far as the depth of the conversation goes. Right. But uh, when I sat down across from uh, some of our guests, I learned so many things. Uh, with you, though, I don't think there's anything that I don't already we've know. We've had some depth before. Yes, yes we've, yes, we we've gone yes. deep over yes, a yes. fine glass of Cabernet yes. or perhaps a cold beer. Your yes. story's interesting. I think the people at home are going to be really intrigued by a guy who grew up in Kansas. Yes, sir. And, and decided to come to North Carolina. How'd that all work? Well, it's an interesting story. So... Um, you know, I was a hustler my whole life. Like I, you know, I grew up in a very middle, low-income family. My father was a, a blue-collar labor guy his whole life. He worked at a steel mill, as far as I can remember. You know, my dad worked at a steel mill. Uh, you know, didn't make a lot of money, but you know, we always had a square meal. It might have been the same meal for three or four nights in a row, but it was still a good meal. Um, so I, uh, I learned. You know, I learned I, I liked nice things when I was young, and I learned how to make money to to get nice things. So I. I shoveled snow, I raked leaves, I did a paper route, you know, whatever it took, painted houses, whatever it took to make money, um, I would try to do. I started doing it really young. So unlike today's probably kids, you know, my parents never knew where I was. I'd get up in the morning and leave, and if I could go make a buck, they, didn't, they could care less, right? They didn't care, so I would do whatever I could do to make some money. And started doing that and ended up going to college. I went to University of Kansas and, uh, you know, enjoyed that experience a lot. But, you know, the minute I got to campus, I got a job. I worked at a bar. Um, and uh, I was, you know, 18, and, and in Kansas at the time, you could serve, you could drink beer, you know, 3.2 beer when you're 18, so I worked at an 18 bar and loved that, and then uh, there was upstairs the bar I worked at was a 21 club, I ended up moving up there, and then I ended up managing the place for a couple of years, so I stayed in Lawrence, Kansas for six years, um, you know, graduated in four, worked there for two more, and then uh, decided, all right, I need to go to work. You know, do something. It was time to grow up. It was time to grow up a little bit. But I learned a lot at that point. Yeah, bar, connections right? too, I bet. Uh, and I learned so much. I mean, I learned about, you know, running a business and I learned about people skills. And I learned more at that bar in six years than I did going to four years of college. So I came home and I got a job selling steel. My father was in the steel business. He said, you know, hey, I'll get you a job selling steel. So, you know, I started selling steel and I liked it, but I wanted to get back to the bar business was my goal. So uh, the company I worked for, Ryerson Steel, had a, a night program where you could go to school at night and they would pay for it went to school at night and I got my my MBA got my master's and I wrote my thesis on opening a brew pub at the time <laughs> kind of it's coming off full circle right it used to be back then it was brew pubs the biggest thing you know I had all the tanks right in the bar and you make your beer right there so uh, I wrote my thesis on that I got my MBA and in the meantime I got married and you know life kind of took over and so when I got my MBA I got a job offer to move to Charlotte North Carolina to work for a small little family-owned steel company and the owner of the company was managing. He wanted to kind of ease himself out. We're looking for somebody to kind of ease himself in. And I said, I kind of like the steel business. I, what the heck I'll do it. So I packed up my stuff and moved to North Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I'm a kind of guy and I don't know about you growing up. Well, you were a racer, but you know, I lived in two different houses in my first 18 years in the same zip code. And most of my family members lived in the same zip code. So I was a homer and I, you know, I lived in, I was a Kansas city guy and Roland Park, Kansas guy. So it was a big deal to move and I was scared to death, but Loved North Carolina, enjoyed it a lot. Um, to work this company, I started being an outside salesman. Am I rambling too much about this story? No, I'm, okay. I'm interested. Okay. I've, so, I've heard most of it. All right, but. so I was an outside salesman, and this company really had never had an outside salesman before. So they said, hey, you know, the world's your oyster. Go sell a steel. And so I had North and South Carolina, and I loved cold calling. So I would, um, we sold these large alloy round bars. And so what usually these bars go on a lathe, and you turn the bars on a lathe, 
and they make parts, but in, they also make these little metal chips when you're turning the material away. Right. And these chips typically go in barrels, and the barrels go in the back of the building to get picked up and recycled down the road. So I used to love making cold calls. I'd do it all the time. Well, if I saw an industrial building, I'd drive around back and see if I saw a barrel full of chips. If I did, I'd know, okay, they use my products, and then I'd go to the front door and knock on the door. So one day I'm driving around, you know, Concord, North Carolina, and first I saw the Speedway, and I was like, what in the world is that? I, I, in Kansas, I was a big Chiefs fan, big Royals fan, but I didn't know nothing about racing. What year was this? Uh, that was in 1994, I guess, 94, I think. And, uh, yeah, 94, 93, 94. So I, um, I went around the track that day, and I was just amazed at how big it was. And I did that little local, tour, you know, little van, getting a van. Some old yeah. man drove me around. I was scared to death. But it was just really neat. Right? I was like, wow, it's so big. When I was leaving there, I saw Hendrick Motorsports. So I went to Hendrick, and I went to their little museum, and I looked at their window and saw them building cars. Like, oh, that's so cool. Then I was leaving, like, oh, I'll drive around back. Drove around back, saw a barrel full of chips. I said, oh, wow, they buy steel. So I, eventually I got in there. Eventually I sold them some steel. And then I thought, hmm, this could work out. So they told me, they said, listen, we buy, we buy more tubing and sheet metal than we do bar stock, but we buy some bar stock. So I got in the door that way. So then I'm like, hmm, and... Finally, they convinced me to maybe stock some tubing and stock some sheet metal. And then I started calling on race teams. Well, I found out that no one was really taking care of the race teams. Again, this was in 95, 94, 95, so it wasn't the kind of boom it is now. But I got in early, and I started meeting people, and no one was taking care of these guys. So I got market share really fast and um, you know, started selling to all the guys and, and brought in tubing, brought in sheet metal. The interesting thing to me is your timing because getting here, I've been here since the 80s, and in the 80s and early 90s, we would go to the, to the, to the race car store and buy a car. We'd yeah. go to the parts store and get our parts. Right, go to Hutch Pagan and, right, and so, Mofflin. Right, so we were just buying stuff off the shelf, but something was happening in the early 90s when Hendrick Motorsports decided they could buy a lathe and they could they could make the parts and pieces for the car better than they could buy, right. and that gave them a competitive advantage. So you were you were you happened to show up at just the right time. I rode that wave, Mikey. Yeah, because rode, yeah. we went from just buying a part or piece here to making everything for the whole car. And, right. And throughout the '90s into the O's, uh, up until just recently, like ninety percent of the car was was steel, and yeah. over the years, it's kind of migrated toward more composite type of, of materials but that that was a good ride and so life was good you were doing great and then and then you got cancer yeah yeah right and then the whole big whammy i was 30 years old had a one month old baby and uh you know got my face got numb and one thing led to right you know ended up finding out i had a, a nasty form of cancer bone cancer called mesenchymal chondrosarcoma and uh so they cut my face off and put my leg bone and my jaw bone and sewed me back up and did some chemo, and, and uh, that's when I quit my job at the steel company and opened up Stock Car Steel. I thought, you know what, now's the time to do it. So when I was doing my chemo, I wrote the business plan, and, uh, you know, I didn't have any hair, no eyebrows, eyelashes, nothing, no hair, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> Hello. And, uh, and uh, I went, you know, went and said, hey, I'm opening up this company, and everybody looked at me, it was nuts. I mean, I remember going to DEI and Randy Earnhardt. This um, was... You know, 97 96 yeah 97 ish yeah yeah and uh, Earnhardt had just built that giant complex and right I go in there and uh, you know I had a, I was wearing a suit and tie at that time because every steel guy wore suit and ties and I literally was bald as a bat and 
I finally got my way into, they were in that room with all those antler heads all over, and they're all sitting around. That's the deer head shop. So, yeah, the deer head shop. There you go. And uh, Randy and some of the boys were sitting around, and I walked in like a big, you know, the Mr. Clean goofball and said, hey, I want to sell you guys steel. And he tells the story later. He said, I walked out of there and go, what the hell was that? You know, what yeah. just happened? And, and he said, you know, I thought that, and Randy says, I thought that poor kid don't know what he's doing. You know, he's going to end up. And, uh, you know, I just told Randy, hey, man. I know you're buying steel now. I'll be your secondary supplier. And, and one thing led to another. They ended up being my big, big, biggest customer at that time with their big growth. And and uh, yeah, they. I tell people all the time. I I, I had the I, I was blessed to drive for some some great people, um, including the Wood Brothers. But the only thing that was different was the Wood Brothers would would buy their cars. You know, they were very smart and they could put them together and tweak them and tune them, yeah. but they were just buying stuff and, and putting it together. And I went over to Dale's place and he's making everything, oh, everything, everything from everything. the, from the engine all the way to the, yeah. the car, to the body and yeah. everything. And that was a, a big, that was a big change in the sport. That's what Hendrick Motorsports was doing. And that's, that was the wave. That's where we were heading. And in 2007, I remember, um, going to, to, California Speedway for the second race here is like there's literally 58 full-time sponsored teams yeah and most of them were building all their own stuff you had to you you got there for I mean tell me about that what remember going to Daytona there'd be 60 cars yeah the 20 people had to go home it was like (laughs) what in the world man crazy yeah yeah so it was you know it was a great time in the sport you know we uh, we our growth curve was insane like you know, most small businesses like mine doesn't make it when you grow that fast because, you know, listen, I forget the, you know, the accounts receivables. Like, you know, I couldn't get paid fast enough to pay all my bills. And, and I didn't, you know, I, I kind of thought I knew what I was doing, but I didn't. I was, you know, I was just swamped and I was working 20 hours a day and it just worked, you know. It t- kept my mind off the whole cancer thing and, you know, and knock on wood, I got through that. So um, it was awesome growth. And, and, you know, the thing about my business, you know, I got friends all over and, when they opened the Kansas track in Kansas City, they're like, hey, so you can open a steel company here, too? I'm like, nah, you don't get it. Only Charlotte with this work. Yeah. Because all the teams are right here. So it was just, it's just a really, I mean, and, and I'll be honest with you, I was getting kind of burned out on selling steel. You know, it just was just not, I saw a bunch of my friends, you know, selling insurance and playing golf all the time, getting those low handicaps like our friend B-Dub. And, and uh, I thought, what am I doing? And then this came along and it changed my life. It literally changed my life. So I'm very, you know, I'm very, uh, Thankful to NASCAR and what happened and, and those all those teams and well and you're more than a steel, a steel salesman you're buddies to most of the industry people look at you as as their friend and you couldn't have gotten that reputation if it weren't for your spirit and and your uh, appreciation for life obviously the challenges that you've been through but then just also uh, delivering delivering on your word selling selling the products at prices that that were better than than most could deliver. Man, that's it, Michael. I think in this, you know, in this sport, you know, there's a lot of free, right? People try to get things for free all the time. And I've, you know, I think I've let it known from the very beginning is all I can give away for free is great service and great competitive prices. I can't give anything else for free. I'll be out of business. And I think people respected that. And that's what we've done forever. And, and like you said, I've, uh, I, I've been a blessed guy. I think when I'm, I don't know where it was, I read one day where a, where a man can, when his personal life and his professional life kind of melds into one, as you're at the you know the pinnacle of your life, that's where I feel like I'm at. I mean, yeah. all my best friends are in the motorsports industry. And and when you say that, we we play basketball together, we play golf together, um, and and it's it's easy to forget 
that you know that we all go off and plug into different parts of this industry. Yeah, that's right. Whether I've come to Fox or Denny goes and and Kyle or Ricky or Daniel goes and gets in their cars, you go to work and right. and it makes it all go around. And that's it, man. There's there's been so many so many things happening lately. I, I want to get your opinion on. And the first is there's rumblings and talk. Everybody knows that in 2000. 21 there's going to be a new car yeah and the talk about the car is that the chassis is going to be more modernized and and the bodies are going to look more like what you buy in detroit and you and i've had this discussion um over the years i i'm a big fan of composite bodies i thought it was a, a really smart idea for the xfinity series and uh, that would seemingly stock car steal. <laughs> it would seemingly you know, be taking money this out of. Conversation was doing so good, and then you have to bring up composite bodies, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Listen it, again. I think you know. In my opinion, I've said this for twenty years. You know, if it's good for the sport, it's good for me. If it, if we have healthier, more healthier teams that can go out there and and run a car and pay their bills, I'm happy. I mean, right now, you think about it. You know, there's not 36 cars out there competitively trying to run that's spending money, right? There's, you know, 20 or whatever there is, right? They're, that's the ones that are spending. The other guys aren't spending money. Or if they do, they don't pay me on time. And God bless them. It's not their fault. You know, it's just a, it's just a grind. I mean, you know, you got one or two teams out there who have learned how to play the game perfect, and they do fine, but they don't buy anything. They don't support the sport. They don't, you know, again, not dogging on them. They know what they're doing. But um, to me, the more teams we can have, the healthier teams we can have, the better the sport is. And I think if we can get back to that, great. I mean, composite bodies, sure, it takes away my steel. Um, but, you know, the glory days of that was back in the, you know, the early 2000s, late 1990s, when, you know, they were making fenders, sides, you know, all the quarter panels and sides was literally made by hand by, you know, these artists who were getting paid a lot of money. You know, they, they, if you're really good at making a fender, you can go demand a lot of money somewhere. And they would get an English wheel, they'd get a 4 by 8 sheet of metal that they bought from me, and they would turn it into the perfect fender. And you know what I loved about that? I lived that world. And, you know, there's just guys, they they would use that English wheel oh. and, the, and the dolly, and, and, and they would, they'd bend to the wind tunnel, so they, they know how the wind's supposed to blow, but then they could just craft that car to and take crafting's it. crafting's a perfect word craft it and just make it be exactly what those numbers needed to be. And I had a couple of those cars at DEI. Well, DEI had all of them. Right? Yeah. They had the best guys, the best craftsmen. Well, and the, 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 the thing that sticks out in my mind was Slugger Labby. In 2003, we, he never stopped working on that car. He just kept leaning on the fabricators and cutting the nose off and putting another one on and moving the metal around. And and you're right, those, those were craftsmen. But, you know, the thing is, it... it it was awesome because I got to have a really fast car, but at some point NASCAR has to step back and say, can that guy sitting up in the stands see all that? Exactly right. You know, he can see the blue Napa car go by right, right. and he knows Michael's driving it, but can he see those, that, that, that hours and hours of tweaking and tuning? Right. And they, they wanted to try to get away from that, to try to save the teams from themselves. And, I'm guessing you probably have more inside information than, than me. I'm guessing the 2021 car could be another step in that direction where you buy parts and pieces and put them together and go race each other, but less of all that tweaking and tuning that yeah, we right. see. I think, I think, listen, I think that, you know, there's a couple of things they're trying to do. I think they're trying to get a car, you know, look more like the manufactured cars, right? I think that'll be exciting for everybody. I think, 
you know, I think, uh, you know, modernizing the platform like you talked about, you know, I mean, getting it, getting that car with rack and pinion steering with, you know, with the, the right transaxles, with the right, you know, the right parts that kind of mo more, you know, mirror what we have today. So I think the cars, you know, you're running now are a little bit outdated. And so I think that'll help with manufacturers. They'll make the manufacturers more excited. And I think they'll make the fans more excited. And you know, I think, you know, listen, again, I think the, you know, the, the Generation 7 car or the cars coming out in 2021, I think it'll do exactly what we just talked about. I think it'll, you know, it'll be comp more competitive racing. I think it'll be get more people involved in the sport and the manufacturer side, on the team side, and I think it'll be better racing. I really do. When you talk to NASCAR, they think that it could indeed bring another manufacturer to join Ford and Toyota and Chevy. Do you hear that as well? I do, and, and you probably learned this more than I did, but, I mean, I, I take it. I, I'm guessing here because I don't really know, but I know like with Bill Daves, I think it took Toyota a while to get there, right? They had to toil... In the truck series, they, you know, got Bill Davis. I think they spent a lot of money to be competitive. Well, maybe this new car platform will make it so a manufacturer come in and maybe can get competitive a little bit, you know, less expensive and, you know, make 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 a car competitive that's not going through all that R&D that Toyota had to go through. I right. don't know. I mean, I don't know what you think about that. But. Yeah, I think that's a, a valid point because the the, the bar, the, everybody's going to start at yeah, the same right. time with this new car. Right. And I'm a big fan of that. I'm also a big fan of more cameras on the driver, in the car, and also audio visual. I think that it's so amazing. If we could just, if people could understand what a driver is doing. And, you know, you, you watch it on TV and it's like, okay, he went down there and took a left. And, and then he went right. up there and he took another one. And he just keeps <laughs> right, doing that. Right, <laughs> but right? these guys are so, it's its so crazy how good they are. And maybe a heart rate monitor. And, and I know this doesn't have anything to do with steel, but I would like to have a camera on their hands so you can see them yeah. working that wheel. And maybe we can integrate a whole lot of fun things into this new car. The digital dash that we have now in, in the cars we race, that, that, that did a lot for me. Absolutely. I, I, cool, I like man. seeing that technology. You know, you said about, you know, you don't really know what they do until you, you know, by watching on TV. I remember one time I got in the car in a in a, uh, a Bob Lutz's NASCAR experience, riding experience car, two-seater with Denny Hamlin. And Denny, and I'm in the passenger road, Denny's driving, and he takes, and I'm filming, he takes my camera and starts filming me, and he starts driving with his knees. He has both of his hands off the thing, and he's going 170 miles an hour, and we are literally an inch away from the wall, and he is... You know, and I'm going, oh, put your hand in the wheel. Yeah. And, you know, the skill that these guys have is just insane. I mean, it, it is really – so if you could see more of that skill, I think you're right. I think you're nailing it. You know, the the thing that I love about guys like Denny and Larson and, and, and Ricky and Daniel, the guys we get to hang around with, is – they they never unplug from their jobs. You know, they play golf, they play basketball, but it's constantly talking about NASCAR, talking oh, yeah. about racing and how, you know, what, what you know, trying to, I don't say, I don't think they're necessarily trying to swipe industry insider secrets, but they're also always wanting to know what's going on in their brain. What did you feel when you were at Richmond or what, right. what was it like when you went to the Roval? Listen, when I tell my wife that when I'm playing golf, I'm working, I really am <laughs> yeah. because I learned things out that they would never learn if you're not on the golf course with you boys. I mean, it really is a great chance to hear those guys talk to each other. And you, I mean, you know as much as anybody. And, you know, and hearing all this stuff is really good. I think it's, it's you know, you're plugged in, like you said. They're plugged in all the time. What What is, what is we know the 2021 cars coming. What's, what's 
new in your world? What what do you do to bridge yourself to 2021? Is there any any rule changes or anything that you know of coming up prior to that, or are they just putting all their chips on on that 21 car? Uh, well, no, there. You know, listen, there's going to be a car race in 2020, and you know it's going to be the car we have now, and so we're working hard to keep that you know that car standing. And, and what I've done is you know throughout the, I mean, we've been as stock our sales been in business for 23 years now, so you know I've tried to diversify a little bit, right? Try to spread my wings out, mostly in motorsports, but. You know, as you know, we opened up a shop in Indy um, two years ago, and that's a big NHRA, Sprint and Midgets. The dirt series is going crazy. All the dirt racing has taken off like crazy. And, you know, they're spending some money. They're kind of uh, – Indy reminds me of Mooresville 20 years ago, right? They're kind of – there's a lot more teams coming in. They're all excited. Everybody's trying new stuff and new products and new materials. And so it's a great time to be there. I feel like that's going to be another little growth wave for me. But, yeah, I mean, listen, on the NASCAR side, you know, it's all just kind of wait and see. Wait to see what happens with this car. Wait to see what they need. Um, you know, and for 23 years, you know, we have, you know, kind of molded and morphed with the sport, right? They, they, go, they turn right, we turn right with them. They turn left, we turn left with them. And, um, you know, the, the, there's a funny saying that people like, I like to say and people joke about, my favorite words in NASCAR are, you know, trouble in turn two because <laughs> it means I'm going to sell some metal on Monday, right? Well, in reality, you know, my favorite words in NASCAR has always been rule change, right? You know, some car crashes in the race, well, you, know, you know, that doesn't mean, but, you know, rule changes Industry-wide. Industry-wide, meet a lot for teams, right, and not who builds. And so, you know, of course, I think a new car is going to be a lot of build. You know, but then I think what that will turn into is is a, you know, that will amortize over some time where, you know, there's going to be a lot of builds coming up, and then it's going to slow down. It's going to, it's going to you know, equal out. It's going to be a lot more really manageable business for the teams. I think the teams are now finally going to have a business where they don't have to just spend, 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 spend. I think it allow people to get in the sport and compete and not, you know, not spend every bit of your parents' money. Right. And la- last week we had uh, Daniel Hemrick on and we were talking about the Roval. And one, one topic that came up was Joseph Newgarden just won the IndyCar championship and he, he ran his, his IndyCar at the Roval. So there, there's just so much. I, I love that. There's just so much collaboration between both of those series and, and what could be going forward. I, I, and there's commercials now that are really cool, right? I mean, I love it. And I think it's smart. I think, you know, I think NASCAR, listen, I've been a huge fan, of course, of NASCAR for 23 years. As have you. I mean, you know, you, we both made our careers out of NASCAR. I think they know what they're doing. And I think, yeah. you know, other than, you know, putting mufflers on the car, which I just don't think it's going to happen, Michael. I don't, you know. I, don't. Well, I think you're wrong. <laughs> I think you're dead wrong. I think the new 2021 car will have mufflers on it. And listen to this. Let me explain to you why. You ready for this? Yes. Here's quiet. Here comes a Tesla. Here's NASCAR. Ah! Ah! Hey, listen, Greg. Listen to this. Be quiet. Listen. Not only does it not sound cool. I mean, gosh dang it. Listen to this, Greg. Not only does it not sound cool, it's just loud. Like, think about a Ferrari. Right. Think about a, a Corvette. Formula One races. Well, but listen, it's 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 ah, it's NASCAR and it's quiet. Yeah. Look at all this room I got in here. <laughs> you see what I'm working with here? See, y'all, I knew that would push his button. Oh. That's all I have to say is mufflers. I knew it would get him fired. They're up. they're not they're not mufflers so much as they're sound uh, um, enhancers. Yeah, well, I've not heard anything about sound enhancers yet. In the well, you car. just watch, young man, <laughs> and you know who's gonna thank me. Luco, yes, my and Gigi. Children, yes. Tell me about your children. You got you talked about your, well, your new baby yeah, some thirty a, years ago. Yeah, I have a twenty-four-year-old, 
and I have a five-year-old, and I have a two-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Luco is and precious. Have, yeah, yeah, they are cool, man. Luco, Gigi's wonderful. I just, they are, I, and they love Uncle Mikey, let me yeah. tell you. They, he comes around, their smiles light up. Yeah, they're so much fun. So My little Luco, he can't stop with race cars. It's all he wants to talk about and look at and play with, and I'm in trouble, Mike. I'm that's that's going to be costly. I'm in trouble, yes. Well, hopefully by the time he gets ready to get his suit on, We'll have this 2021 car figured out. Yeah. We can go down to the showroom floor, buy one, That's and right. turn Come him on loose. That's right. SRI and buy one. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little bit about your health a bit ago. What? I know you go quarterly to to get checked out, and yeah. And I, I don't know. I my heart hurts for you when you go because I know it's got to be stressful. Um, and I know you know many other people that have have battled this disease yeah. and. I just wonder, I just wonder if, you know, you, are you, are you comfortable with where you are? I am, yeah. So I, um, you know, to build on that story a little bit. So, uh, you know, that was 23 years ago when I, when I first got diagnosed and then um, it came back twice. So I've, I'm a three-time survivor. Uh, each time it was in my jawbone, it came back as, as lung cancer the last two times. So, but I have my, just had my six-year anniversary of my last lung cancer. So I feel great. I mean, I really don't worry, but I worry about it. Like you said, your heart hurts. I worry, you know, the night before I go in and then, and then until I get my results back, I worry. That's it. Other than yeah. that, I just live, man, and, and knock on these awesome wood chairs. Aren't they something? In. Yeah, it's, uh, it's gone for good now, so I feel good. But I'm happy. I'm in a happy place right now. I, you know, I love my friends like you. I love my family. I love, uh, you know, I'm working too hard right now, but yeah. that soon will pass. And, you know, I'll be all right. Everything's, everything's good. I'm happy. Ever since I met you, you said this soon will pass, and you just keep adding more work to your plate. I know, right? Do you think that's uh... – Well, I also used to always tell you, you know, I'm going to hunker down sometime soon, and I'm hunkering down right now, bud. This is hunker down time. I got you. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming by. Ford, did you learn anything today? Uh, yeah, man. That uh, I've, I've learned a whole lot. I mean, growing up, my dad was Gil Martin. And, he, uh, he still is, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, yes. Let me. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yes. Let's get that right first. Yes. Did so, you get a new one? <laughs> no. No. Uh, so, but uh, just hearing my dad grow up in some, uh, telling me so many stories when I grew up yeah. because he was from the Nashville fairgrounds, and I mean they were always in steel almost every single weekend, and yeah. and uh, I know like I mean I know he was telling us and. Uh, before we got started here, uh, but trouble on turn two being your favorite word. Oh, so yeah. man, I can only imagine, man, I've, business had to be booming for you. So I bet you love short track racing, especially when to Martinsville and Bristol. Oh, so. Bristol, Bristol is just awesome. And it's right? not changed much. No. They're still beating and banging. Still so. beating and banging. And then, you know, of course, Daytona and Talladega. I mean, oh, yeah. That's when I could sell some tubing. That's when you really could get right. going. Then, yeah. I could sell some sheet metal after Bristol, but sell some tubing after Daytona. <laughs> Well, man, it's been a pleasure having you. Thanks so much right. for right coming on. by. I'm glad you got to meet my boys yeah, here. Yeah, this is great. This has been a really great experience. So hopefully I uh, I was an okay guest, but, you know, yeah. this is really cool, man. And if you need to buy some steel, is it StockCarSteel.com? Uh, StockCarSteel.com, yes, sir. And all then right. SRIPerformance.com for all your performance parts needs. What and about for your personal vehicle? Do you all have performance parts do. for we it? We do. We have street stock and hot rod and all kind of stuff. Yeah, man, it's a... Uh, we're, we're, we're kind of geared more towards professional racing or more towards the amateurs that are more professional. Um, but, yeah, we, uh, you know, we've got really competitive pricing, and it's, it's neat. I've, uh, I've worked hard on that business, too. So, you know, I bought CV products, and I bought, uh, you know, their chassis division. I bought Roush H performance parts. 
and turn those two businesses into SRI. It's been a whole lot of work, but it's paying off now. It's cool. Hey, let me ask you this. If, yeah. if I wanted to get the same metal that Junior gets over there for his cars, you got any of that over there? Well, you know, it'll cost you. Um, but <laughs> I can get some of that Junior. Oh, yeah, you can, buddy. Oh, how about that? <laughs> yeah, the racing is incredible. The roval, everything we've seen this year. The short track racing, the beating and banging. I'm telling you, statistically speaking, Greg, if you look at the numbers, there's there's never been racing like this. Well, I'm not as old as you are. <laughs> but it's the best race. But I've aren't seen. you? <laughs> I am almost going. But, but it's the best race I've seen. I think since Ever. I've been watching it, it really is a great. It's it's great right now. It's the best I've seen forever. You're right. I'm gonna follow it with both eyes wide open all the way to Miami. Me too, man. Can't wait. And when we get down to Miami, how about a little uh, foursome? Maybe me and you and and Denny and Larson. Maybe Ricky. Is that four? That's five. But. We can get five. Man, Maybe two for us. A banker. Game yeah, of banker. banker. Oh, yeah. I love man. betting you. Yeah. Greg hits it a piping 202 yards <laughs> and then it rolls out to 212. But you yeah. make it work. Yeah, I do make it work. I usually hit it straight at least. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Mikey. This yes, has sir. been really awesome. Thank you, guys. Man, that was so much fun catching up with my buddy Greg Fornelli. What a great storyteller and how much insight and knowledge that he has about the sport. Man, it was so fun listening to his stories and really appreciate Greg coming by and spending some time with me here today in our plush Fox Sports studios. I want to ask you to tell your friends to add us on their favorite podcast app. They can search Waltrip Unfiltered, add us along, and enjoy all the fun we have here. You can also go to Fox Sports YouTube channel and check out some of the videos. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next week.